0: Often innovation is being seen as a threat or something that might arrive like in sci-fi movies in the future. But actually, I think we are much further ahead than a lot of people think. The vision is not always necessary to see a doctor for every single medical question. And our role is to help traditional companies understand what it actually means for them and how they need to change. I think that's something where communication has still been lacking and being sure that it is seen as an opportunity that all the possibilities that can arise from technological advantage.
1: Welcome to another episode of Speak Like a CEO. Today we chat with Lena Behrens, Managing Director of Flying Health. Right in the center of Berlin, the team is fostering an ecosystem for next generation healthcare. By bringing together the experts in different relevant fields like medicine, science, entrepreneurship and technology, Flying Health is designing business models for the future today. Very exciting stuff. Learn all about the rise of digital health, what obstacles are holding the innovation back and how the narrative has to change. Lena is also passionate about encouraging women to take on more leadership roles. Enjoy the episode. Hello and welcome to another episode of Sweet Like a CEO. My name is Lena Carlson, and I'm here with Oliver. Hey, Oliver.
2: Hey, Lena. Our guest today is Lena Behrens. She's the managing director of Flying Health. Her passion is to help create the healthcare system of the future. She's bringing together industry leaders and entrepreneurs to create the ecosystem for the next generation healthcare. She's also vice president of the German Startup Association, a podcaster and a mentor. Hi, Lina.
0: Hey, Oliver. Hi, Lina. Very
1: happy to be here. So that's definitely an impressive resume. What are you excited to be working on the most at the moment?
0: Well, we have been working on digital health for quite some time, at a time when not everybody was talking about it. And now with Corona, we see a huge huge uptake in interest by people who initially hadn't even considered digital health to be possible. And I assume even if and when corona is not at the top of our heads, anymore, um, it will still be an important topic. So I'm really excited about that.
2: So what is it specifically that Flying Health is doing in bringing together industry leaders and entrepreneurs? So what's coming out of that and how does the collaboration work? So
0: we work with traditional companies on the one hand side. So working with hospital groups, insurances, medtech, tech, pharma, um, and help them understand what the future of healthcare might look like. What it means for their business model and whether there are any potential new business models and very often that also involves working uh, with others be it other um, industry companies in the industry or with startups and then on the other hand we also work directly with start- startups um, that are looking to bring innovation in the field of healthcare um, and help for instance international companies that are looking for Germany to start here uh, but also with entrepreneurs who are maybe at a very early stage and need some input from people like us who've been in the field for a long time.
1: Can you explain a little bit about the context of digital health and how it
0: kind of emerged and what it kind of looks like today? Sure. The the vision is that it's not always necessary to see a doctor for every single medical question that a patient might have. Um, The way it emerged, was actually a a few years ago when people started thinking through how can a patient um, be supported also more in their homes, in their day-to-day lives. And uh, obviously, something that a lot of people have on their mind when thinking about digital health is something like telemedicine. So rather than going to a doctor's office, you might bring the doctor to your own home. Um, But there's also other parts. So for instance, um, if you look at radiologists that are working a lot with uh, different types of images such as CT scans or x-rays or MRIs there is a lot that uh, digital tools can do to support the diagnosis and analysis of those Im- images and thus lead to better Um, better outcomes and less work for for the doctors
2: you've you've been around for a few years now have there been any innovations or startups that are already successful that you could talk about
0: Um, sure i'll have to there's quite a few actually so i'll have to (laughs) to think about which ones to select Um, so one of the startups that we're working with uh, that i'm really excited to to be quite close to um is a company called hello better that was founded um here in Germany uh, and they are based in Berlin um, and they are a startup looking at digital psychotherapy. So there's uh, quite a few people um, that are uh, suffering from different mental diseases um, and the typical way this is being approached, if it is approached at all, is that uh, people go to a psychotherapist. um, And what the startup does is that they offer an online way um, to support uh, patients in more than 10 indications to actually um, bring their their work in mental health to their homes and uh, have the possibility to continuously, um, yeah, to continuously uh, deal with these mental issues and actually improve them. Um, so that's a startup that is, that is really exciting. There's a few of them in that area. Um, another one that uh, people might know is, is SelfieP or Um But Alureta really excites me because they have, they have done uh, over 30 randomized control trials to actually look at uh, to what extent is the, Um, uh, do those interventions actually work How exactly do you work with the
1: startups is it like a hands-on approach or how how does that actually look like in a day-to-day sense?
0: It depends a little bit what the startup needs Um, so there's definitely no one size fits all approach Um, so for Um, startups that are very early stage, uh, they are often looking to have a sparring partner to understand, does their idea make sense in the current context? How can a business model look like and really need that challenging from people uh, who know the healthcare system inside out um, and can also help Um, to maybe ask the questions that uh, somebody who works on a specific topic day-to-day might not be thinking about. Um, So that can take the form uh, of monthly strategy sparrings um, or it can also uh, be done in a specific workshop looking at a question such as pricing. Like this is one of the the topics that a lot of uh, startups are struggling with. How do you properly price your your product? Um, How does it fit into the current healthcare delivery? Um, The other uh, part that we're doing is uh, we like the way flying health works is a lot about making sure that the right people talk to each other at the right time and uh, here we talk often about partnerships between startups and traditional players that still take take up the majority of healthcare provision as of today um, and often it is important to make sure that the right people actually uh, hear about what a startup is doing at the right time and um, so that it is also at Actually, addressing a problem that they are thinking about. And we are often asked to be in the room as kind of a translator because we have realized that uh, people do speak different languages. No, that then- was actually going to be my next
1: question about the <laughs> corporates. Um, and I also noticed that you um, are partnering with Pfizer, which I guess a lot of people are interested in right now.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I just want to say so. The, the the final one is about. Um, it's it's very important for um, startups that have those uh, innovative ideas to also. Uh, be present at discussions or in conferences etc so we are often being asked who might be interesting people to to talk about kind of what's new in in this world um and then we think for the audience for the conference who might be good people to to invite so that's also something that we look at um
2: we've had a few digital startups digital companies uh, in the healthcare sector on the podcast um sophie from Kuna medical we had uh, teleclinic we had um uh, heartbeat labs and um, they're all very passionate about what they do you? but also face a lot of obstacles so healthcare seems to be a sector that's incredibly hard to digitalize even if it brings a lot of benefits to everyone involved do you face the same obstacles and and what are the obstacles that currently hold this innovation this kind of innovation back
0: so uh, all those companies that you mentioned um i actually know know the founders quite well and we often talk about such obstacles the the beautiful part about working at flying health is that we are Really trying to address those obstacles by working with the different players so luckily because we are not one startup that has a certain product um, and that we need to bring into the market um, we can actually use our ecosystem approach to, to talk to the ceos of our clients such as um, insurance companies pharma etc to help them understand okay if this innovation comes in what does it actually means mean for them and what does it mean uh, to all the other actors in the system because in healthcare it's all very interlinked and you can't really just try to innovate in one part without thinking through what it means for the for the other areas so some of the obstacles that we see for for startups to bring innovation in the field has certainly been reimbursement which is an area that has been addressed in germany through the Digital Care Act that you might have heard about. Um, but now that the reimbursement path is there, uh, the problems are not over. Um, but it basically, uh, it just is the, the way that, it, in theory, um, digital products uh, can be prescribed. But now the question is, are they actually being prescribed by the doctors and are the doctors actually convinced that a digital therapy, for instance, such as the one that I mentioned, like, do they actually trust in the results that they have seen? And do they actually um, decide to prescribe a digital tool or a digital um, health app instead of a traditional therapy? Another example is, um, and actually last week, uh, one of the startups that we work with had the uh, the sixth of the Diga so uh, in, in German it's called um digitale gesundheitsanwendung which is a a digital health app that can be prescribed now in Germany. Um uh, so one of the startups, Simpatient, just had their had the it just got approved as the sixth um product here in Germany that can be uh, prescribed through that approach um, and now well now they need to go out and actually explain why their product is has the evidence why it makes sense for doctors to uh, prescribe them but also for patients that suffer from the um the indications that they are targeting um to actually to, to actually use it that, that's
2: super interesting so if you can prescribe an, a doctor can prescribe an app now i've never heard of that Um, That also requires, I mean, the whole approach probably requires a complete change in the narrative of what healthcare is and how it is uh, administered, because usually, you know, people uh, would think of, okay, I have to go to a doctor or hospital if I'm ill, I have some sort of um, ailment, Um, but but obviously the digital approach is very different, Uh, it's much more self-reliant maybe potentially. Um, because you have to maybe take more of the initiative you use an app so how do you so first of all maybe could you speak to the app what it does and and how does the narrative have to change in order to healthcare digital healthcare really make a big breakthrough
0: yeah so i think um, maybe the latter question first i think one of the most important changes in the narrative is about patient empowerment. Now, this is something that a lot of people have talked about, but I think with digital health, it can actually go a a step further to make sure that patients actually take responsibility for their health and actually also are empowered by being able to access Certain type of data and understand um, maybe certain types of patterns uh, why certain symptoms are getting worse or getting better. So in terms of uh, the the example that I mentioned, so some patient they are using a virtual reality tool and the way it works is that a doctor can uh, if they see a patient with a certain indication they can decide to to prescribe a digital health app and the doctor uh, the, the patient can then. Uh, use this app uh, to to improve their symptoms. There's other examples of a startup that is tackling migraine. So here, I think it's always quite a nice example where you can say, okay, um, you track when your headache is getting stronger, and you understand, really understand as a patient, what are the patterns that make my uh, headache go stronger or better, um, and thus be able to take different different steps. Uh, what I mean with uh, patient empowerment, so that they can actually take the actions themselves.
1: So, how exactly do you see the role of flying health here? Is it a facilitator um, between the right kinds of players in the industry? Is it an educator? um what exactly is the most important role that you guys are playing here
0: yeah i would say it's a it's actually a mix of the two roles that you mentioned so in germany what we often see is that people who work in traditional healthcare companies don't really see to what extent the healthcare provision might change going like in in going into the future, and our role is to help traditional companies understand it, like how strongly we believe the change will be in the future and what it actually means for for them, and how they need to change. So, for an ex- as an example, Amazon a couple of weeks ago, in the U.S., announced that they that people can order prescription medicine. Uh, through their platform so previously it was already possible to order over the counter so such as aspirin for instance and now you can also in the U.S., receive uh, prescription medicine. Now, at the moment, this is not possible in, in European com- uh, countries. But if, like knowing knowing Amazon, uh, we would say the chances are that at some point this might also be possible here. Now, the question is: you could either lean back and say this is not going to happen, or you could proactively think through. Okay, what does that actually for me uh, mean for me as a pharmacy, or what does it mean for me as um, as a hospital group or as uh, as pharmacies. And that's what we help people understand. Um, now, this is the first step. Now, when people understand how the... Uh, like what kind of trends are out there and what it means for them as a business model. And the next step is to say, okay, so what, what does that actually mean? How do we need to change? What kind of collaborations do we need to be, to be set up uh, for the future? And that's also where this facilitator role comes in to bring the right people at the, at the table. And it might be different industry players or it might be startups and industries, um, or it might also be talking to, um, to other people in, in our network, to really understand, uh, to, to, to make sure that the um, that the incentives are also being set right. I hope that's made it a little bit clearer.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And um, I, w- I was wondering if you, what else you're doing to get the word out to change the narrative. Um, I think one thing is to know what the narrative is and, and having good reasons to convince people once you encounter them. But I could imagine that, that there's more scope to use media, social media, etc., to get the word out and try to change, uh, you know, the, the way we think about healthcare.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So we um, we very often talk at at conferences or events, or are also being invited to speak at uh, as as keynotes um, at uh, different companies, so that not only the CEOs but also um, the the management or uh, the employees understand where the future of healthcare is heading. I think one of the key changes that we need to see in the narrative is talking to doctors and helping them understand that digital is not necessarily equal to an app that is being programmed in a day or two, but that there's actually a lot of science behind it, that there is digital tools that do have evidence that run randomized control trials or other clinical studies, and that it can actually have an impact both on patient outcomes, but also on the efficiency of the healthcare system. And I think that's something which uh, where communication has still been lacking and where we need to see a change in the future. Totally. You were named one of the
1: 20 women in digital health by female one zero recently, and I've also seen a lot online that you're a mentor and heavily involved in the German Startup Association. Um, can you talk a little bit about these kind of extracurricular things that you do and how that kind of feeds into your overall mission to make digital health more widespread across? Yeah,
0: so for me, so digital health is one part that I'm passionate about. The other part is um, to uh, to encourage more women to take up leadership roles. Um, so I spent quite a lot of time outside of Germany. So I was born in northern Germany and then spent a uh, uh, after my high school diploma, I spent 13 years abroad, including in, in Switzerland, then in London, and, uh, and also in Colombia, in Bogota. Um, and coming back to Germany, I actually thought that uh, the role of women in our society would be a bit further ahead than I realized that it was. Um, and I would love uh, to live in a world at uh, one day where it just doesn't matter whether the other person or the person who's... Um, uh, elected for an office or who is appointed CEO or what, whatever the role is, whether that person is a man or a woman. But unfortunately, we don't live in that world just yet. Um, and that's an area that I'm really passionate about. And uh, so you mentioned that I do a lot of mentoring. So very often that mentoring is actually linked to mentoring women who want to found their own companies, who um, want to take the next uh, step in their leadership career So the Grace Accelerator is a fantastic example for that. Um, I also am one of the vice presidents of the German Startup Association. And here, for me, um, the key driver is that it's not only within healthcare, but in general, I believe that uh, we need to make sure that we look at innovation in a different way than we do at the moment. So right now, often innovation is being seen as something well, maybe as a, as a threat or something that might arrive in uh, like in sci-fi movies in the future, but actually, I think we are much further ahead than a lot of people think. and making sure that it is seen as an opportunity, that there all the possibilities that can arise from technological advantage or from uh, improvements in the way we're working with each other, the way we use digital tools. I think that is incredibly important, and it's something that we need to make sure to also support on a on like a citizen level, but also in in terms of politics. And that's why I'm I'm involved in in the association, and I'm also part of a a um, expert committee for the uh, German Ministry of uh, of Economics. Um, of e- Economy and Energy, I think it's the official title. Um, and that's a fantastic way also to, to make sure that our voice, it's, the, it's a, an expert committee for young people in digital, <laughs> if, if I translate it correctly. Um, it's a fantastic way to also make sure that these innovative voices are, are being heard in a different way than maybe they have been in the past
2: interesting I think that the German startup association has really come a long way and they're becoming more impactful at least that's what it looks like from the uh, from the outside especially vis-a-vis the government in this during the corona crisis where a lot of startups and a lot of pressure what has changed recently in the startup association for you guys to become a more powerful voice in the debate
0: and that's actually my approach in in a lot of um, areas that I I'm uh, involved in I think the like the approach to bringing different people at the table and making sure that we all work together collaboratively um, with the same voice that has changed. So, if you look at um, if you look at the the website of the association, you will see a lot of pictures of different people who are all involved. And obviously, not every single one of them will um, uh, will dedicate hours and hours every week. Um, to the association but we but they uh, support the general way going forward and they are there and willing to help whenever they can as a person uh, be helpful and that's something that is I think is really is incredibly powerful so we have different whatsapp groups um, one for the people who are involved more on a day-to-day basis um, one for people who are uh who will be involved more when uh, there is a campaign or something, or a specific question where we need to have a lot of uh, different people involved? And I think that's a powerful tool to really make sure that uh, we all speak with the same with the same voice and make sure that uh, that we are also being heard. Has there been a particular challenge or crisis when it's come to communications that you've faced this year? I mean, moving a whole team into. A, into the virtual setting, I think uh, was not as easy, given that at the beginning. Um, so, or traditionally, we we always uh, used to be at, the, or mostly used to be at the office, and then also um, working with our clients, uh, especially with new uh, with new partners. It's quite hard to establish that trust. Um, it's not really a a challenge, uh, or you mentioned like a crisis, per se. Um, But I think making sure that our work can be as impactful as it has been before was certainly something that we had to get used to. Um, The other part was we had uh, six people joining on the 1st of October um, and they grew the team quite a lot. And uh, doing that virtually was certainly something that um didn't maybe go as uh, smoothly as we would have liked it uh, to go uh, but i think the most important is to make sure that people even though they join a team uh, that is mainly virtual and um, that they are still that they still feel like they can pick up the phone and actually ha- feel that personal connection i think that was one of the the key uh, key challenges this year i think you will probably have heard this from most of your guests in the last few weeks right as exciting. (laughs) Sorry for that. Not exciting, um, but I think
1: it just really like points to the fact how difficult the coronavirus and the pandemic has been for almost every industry and every team. You know, no matter what you do, Um, even if it has benefited some businesses and industries in unexpected
0: ways as well. Um, you know, it's still completely a challenge. Yeah, absolutely, and and actually, I mean, on on the positive side, what what we have seen, we have we do have quite a, a very very strong network here in Germany, but we also do have a, a strong international network, and being able to um, to invite people to certain events that would otherwise not have been able to travel here. Was is certainly something that I think we'll also see in the future.
2: And looking forward to next year, you, you mentioned a bit earlier that uh, you want Flying Health to be an even more powerful and impactful voice in the healthcare debate. What are you? What What are your plans for the coming year in order to grow into that role even more?
0: So it actually links very nicely to what I just said. So for, for us at the moment, we have a very strong footprint in Germany, and uh, we are. In the process of expanding that uh, footprint, also internationally, and it has worked quite well for um, specific um, projects or or contexts. Uh, but that would definitely be something that I'm uh, uh, that I'll be focusing on. The second part is you you asked me earlier what we do from a communication side. Um, so I have to admit that uh, prior to Corona. We weren't incredibly good in active communication because we had the luxury that whenever we spoke at a conference, we were asked by the next people to join a a conference or events, and uh, through those. Uh, keynotes or discussions or panels or whatever we did, we were uh, being approached by uh, potential customers. And that's certainly something that we want to change and will change to go out more proactively and communicate our vision for the healthcare of the future and also, also how we can help with that.
1: So as we finish up the conversation, what would be your final piece of communications advice that you can share with us today?
0: For me, the most important is to establish a strong connection with the person you are talking to. And I think this can be done both face-to-face, but also virtually, but making sure that you really understand who is the other person, what drives them, what is maybe a problem that you can solve or something how you can help the other person. I very strongly believe in... um, like very open and transparent communication, but also helping one another uh, will bring us much further than trying to um, outcompete compete or uh, have a more competitive mindset. Um, so understanding their, the other person's drivers, goals, maybe also their fears or problems, and thinking through how you can help. How can you help them be successful? And if you establish this trust uh, within uh, the communication with the other person, I think you can... Uh, achieve your goals much better um, and also make sure that the other person at the same time also achieves that goal and yeah uh, and thus go much further than, than you would have done otherwise thanks so much for chatting with us today Lena.
2: yeah thank you Lena. and if you're interested in digital healthcare uh, please do check out previous episodes with Kuna Medical Teleclinic and Heartbeat Labs which have also been very very interesting so thank you Lena. thank you for listening and uh, see you next week
1: What do you think? Connect with Oliver Haust and Lena Carlson on LinkedIn to share your feedback.